What players could swing the Thunder season? Who's going to be the X factor? Is Jared Butler going to Washington going to hurt the Thunder in any way? And can Isaiah Joe repeat his success from a year ago? We'll talk about that on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, Thunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into your mailbag questions to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder losing Jared Butler to Washington. Can Isaiah Joe build on his breakout season and who will take the biggest leap this season who could be considered an x factor for the thunder this year plus what's more likely to happen chet holmgren josh giddy or jalen williams becomes an all-star we'll talk about all that and more on today's podcast which is a mailbag episode so your mailbag questions will be answered here today you can also text the show 405-963-3686 over on subtext to get direct access to the show. And we start today's mailbag podcast with actually a topic a few of you asked about, and that's Jared Butler heading to Washington. So Jared Butler signs a two-way deal with the Washington Wizards after a summer league that saw him post 16 points per game, two rebounds, four assists per game, a steal and a half per game, and two turnovers. He shot 47% from the floor, 44% from deep, and 94% at the free throw line over the course of this summer. Of course, his Thunder tenure is capped off by that final game of the season after the play-in positioning was locked up where he gets the start. He goes for 25 points, three rebounds, four assists, a steal, and goes five for nine from three. That is like the highlight of what happened for him in OKC. Now, the bottom line here is that the Will Dockings connection is strong. Of course, the organization liked Jared Butler to bring him in last year. Will Dockings departs to Washington. And now Washington has a lot of former Thunder guys, you know, Brian Keefe, uh, Mike Muscala, Kalinari, Eugenio Marui, um, drafting Kudabale, and now signing Jared Butler. You know, that connection is strong. And, and, and the bottom line here is this is free agency. And Jared Butler made a decision and a choice to go to an environment that not only will be comfortable because he has that relationship with Will Dawkins and kind of understands how a Will Dawkins-led team is run and ran, but also because it's an environment that will put his skills on display, a, des- a design place to let him play more. Now, he's 22 years old. He was once a highly thought-after rec- you know, uh, recruit and, of course, prospect coming into the NBA draft, and he slipped on draft night. You know, this is a guy that has the talent. He has the ability. And at only 22 years old, he's going to a team that can provide him with more opportunity. That opportunity just simply isn't in OKC. The Thunder will always try to maximize their two-way slots. They're always going to try to maximize their roster spots and um, give opportunity to guys and explore the roster. But at the end of the day, any two-way guy not named Keontae Johnson just is not going to get 
the opportunity necessary to latch on the NBA long-term. Because you have such a overflowing roster of talent that needs to be in your rotation and talent that needs to help you win games. And so Jared Butler goes from being someone who would be mainly dependent upon G League time to being somebody who can absolutely get NBA minutes and likely get heavy NBA minutes post-All-Star break and maybe even sooner for what is supposed to be a, a monumental tank in Washington. And we've been looking back on, you know, should the Thunder bring back Jared Butler? That's the thing we've been saying all along. That, like the thing is with Jared Butler, you bring him in for what he can do for organizing and maximizing your G League team. And that's just not where a 22-year-old is at. He wants to be given a chance to earn NBA minutes, and he can do that in Washington. Because if if the Thunder look back this time you know, next year, and they say, you know what that team missed? Jared Butler. Well, things have gone horribly wrong for Oklahoma City. And I say that as a Jared Butler fan, but you know, even as someone who roots for Jared Butler and, and, and thinks he's a good player, if all of a sudden you think this rotation is missing Jared Butler, this season has gone off the rails. It, it's gone completely off the rails, either via injury, either via regression, whatever the case is. And so while rooting for Jared Butler to succeed, just like you root for Eugene Morita to succeed, there's no reason to, to be upset that they're no longer an OKC. You just hope that they can latch on elsewhere. As for the Thunder two-way spots, you get three now with the new CBA. One is already tied up with Keontae Johnson. That means that they have two available. And you know the, the easy answer is Lindy Waters, who is eligible to be placed back in a two-way deal. So uh, you know the easy answer would be that you fill this out with Keontae Johnson, Lindy Waters, and then you have another one open for a Caleb McConnell, who, who is a real deal defensive ace, you know, called the blanket as an incredible nickname. Uh, and, and proved it in summer league against you know, some NBA competition, some NBA prospects. You can look at KJ Williams maybe from the summer league team also. And then, of course, you can expand this to beyond just the summer league roster. But at the end of the day, you know, Lindy Waters would be a name that people love to have back. Kanthi uh, Johnson, of course, the 50th overall pick and a guy that got you really excited over a summer league. At the end of the day, this is no longer an area where you're going to um, expect a lot from. And, and really an area where you want to get a lot from because in order to for them to kind of leap up, that means someone's taking a very much step back. And then you get to this spot where you know they're not postseason eligible, so you'd have to then convert them. But then whose roster spot do you take away? And it just becomes a mess this year with um, figuring out these two ways. So I, I wouldn't say that this is like a bad move by the Thunder. I saw some of this in the comments. Like, oh, it's a bad move by the Thunder to not bring in Jared Butler, who can they get better than Jared Butler on a two-way deal? The Thunder couldn't force Jared Butler to, re to remain in OKC. This is Jared Butler going and getting a better opportunity. And for guys like Jared Butler, who are going to be only on the two-way deal, there's better opportunity out there. Because the pathway to getting NBA minutes in OKC is extremely harder than it would be um, you know, somewhere else, like Washington, that, that is tanking, um, and you're going to eventually get time if not right out of the gate. So Jared Butler, really good at navigating the pick and roll, really good at um, you know just scoring and shooting and keeping offenses in grooves. 
that can be an area that the, that the Wizards need, either with the go-go or with the Wizards themselves or both. So all in all, good luck, Jared Butler, but it should not really impact the Thunder. And honestly, it probably will not even register with fans here in about five weeks. So there it goes with Jared Butler. Coming up, Isaiah Joe. Was that a fluke or was that for real with his shooting streak? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to see right now, but good friends over at FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go there right now because they are the official sports book of LockedOn and Major League Baseball. You can go there right now and get your first swing at betting on MLB at FanDuel.com with a uh, with 10 times your first bet uh, for an amount in bonus bets up to $200. So go there right now, and that's right. You can just bet 20 bucks, and you're going to get, on top of that, $200 in bonus bets. No matter if you win or lose, it's that simple. It's that easy. You get paid instantly. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So go there right now and bet on some baseball. They also have every other sport you can imagine. But you can go there right now to fandor.com slash locked on. And whenever you do, bada bing, bada boom, we're pulling it up. Angels, Tigers. Angels, a right and a half underdogs against Detroit. I like that. I would take that if I were you at Fandor.com. So go there right now, Fandor.com slash lockdown. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We're talking your mailbag questions today. At Douglas Hale underscore asks, how much do you trust Isaiah Joe to return and maintain his shooting numbers from last season? Any word that this is a fluke year? Really good question from Doug. Last year, Isaiah Joe shot 41% from three. He shot 40% on non-corner threes and 48% on corner threes. He shot 42% on catch and shoot, 40% off the dribble, and shot 49% when left unguarded. He also shot 49% in the mid-range and 70% at the rim. The reason why I have no concerns of this being a fluke from Isaiah Joe is that you look at him, and in the pregame warmups, he's still just an eye-popping shooter. Listen, Isaiah Joe typically um, goes and does his pregame workout and warmups before the doors even open. So, you, so in order to get there and see it, you've got to get there at like 4 o'clock. Let me tell you. Even driving an hour and a half to the arena every single game, he made it worth it to get there early and to sit there and just watch in an empty arena as he poured in buckets. He made it enjoyable to go cover those double headers where you're grinding it out from noon with the blue all the way to midnight with the thunder. And you knew after the blue game, okay, around four o'clock, I can start hearing the ball bouncing and it'll be as Ajo out there just raining down threes. And so when you look at him, shoot the ball in those kind of environments and, and how good he is, but also how mechanically repeatable he is and you watch him line up the laces, even while he's just catching the ball, like that kind of stuff. It, it is so repeatable for him to have this success. Plus the range and the spacing that he provides, plus the benefit he'll get from the rim pressure from Shea, the rim pressure from, from Chet uh, and, and the, and the environments that he'll be in and the laps will be in around him. But most importantly, you look at by month, here's the kicker here. And here's what comes with the territory as a shooter. So by month for Isaiah Joe, from three, October 60%, November 41%, December 45.8%, January 43.8%, February 47.9%, March 31%, April 40%. So the thing is, I think Isaiah Joe can absolutely be a 40% three-point shooter again. Now, he's going to have a month where he shoots nearly 48% from three. 
he's also going to have a month where he shoots 30% from three. And so it's just a matter of which number comes first that determines if we panic or if we don't. I think that the vast majority of people listening didn't even know that in March he shot 30% from three. But if you do that in October, if you do that in November, it is just panic mode activated. Like if you, if you take these numbers from Isaiah Joe and you just basically flip them to where, let's say, let's read it in reverse to where October is 40%, March is 30, I mean, October's 40%, November's 31%, people would freak out, would freak out. Even though by the end of it, it would materialize into 40% from three, that would be enough cause for concern. So the hot start, I think, did propel him a bit because it takes some of that pressure off of you and the outside noise off of you. But I would just go into this year not, not looking for a fluke. Because so I think that there is still some of that reservation of like, uh, can Isaiah Joe do it again? At some point, he's going to shoot 30% from three. At some point, he'll shoot 50% from three. And at the end of the day, I think he'll shoot 40% from three. And so uh, I wouldn't expect the extreme highs to sustain. Like I, you know, for, for the majority of this season, he was shooting 45% from three. Uh, I think that that was an, it was an amazing peak. Uh, but I think that for this season, you can shoot 40% from three again. Absolutely. Uh, at Shea 4310. Who do you think has the best chance to become an all-star in their career? J-Dub, Chet, or Giddy? So I would, I would, you would have to say Jalen Williams because you've actually seen him flash that potential in an NBA game already in the sense of like sustained for an entire year. Now, Josh Giddy, I, I hear a lot of you already. I can just feel you and hear you in the comments already yelling about how Josh Giddy's been awesome as well. If Josh Giddy had his own team to command his own offense, I would be way more willing to put him at number one. Uh, and even if that jump shot just continues to materialize and continues to improve with um, Chip England, that's the same thing. Uh, but I would still lean J-Dub you know, a little bit here. The, the kicker is I think that Chet has the narrative, though. Chet is the second overall pick. Chet is going to be put where... And I, and I hate to make this kind of a pop, you know, proclamation, but I would be stunned if Chet Holmgren even struggles in the NBA um, because he's not going to come into this as the savior the way that most top picks do. He's going to come into this as like the third or fourth option and just play his role and um, get to you know, ease into it both on the court and off the court. He's been around this organization all year. He truly stayed locked in whenever he was hurt. He didn't just go there, rehab, and call it good. Like He saw what it takes to play in the NBA. He saw the late nights. He saw uh, how you need to prepare to stay ready, to, get you, to keep your body ready, to, to keep rested, et cetera, et cetera. He got all the benefits of that in year one. So, you know, that, that will help him have a really good rookie year. I think that the narrative behind him is there. Uh, and I think that none of, these, none of these guys are all-stars this upcoming season. But I think that they all have a really good path and a pretty easy path to becoming all-stars in a vacuum. The issue is it's not only a narrative type of thing, just like MVP, it is a, you know, team type of thing. We're like, are we going to give the Thunder three, four all-stars or one all-star or two all-stars? You know, there's just so many limited roster spots and so many teams to try to uh, you know, want guys in the, in the all-star game to where that plays a part in it too. But in terms of like, who's going to be an all-star caliber player, you can make the argument that all three of them will be all-star caliber. Who actually makes the team while a member of the Thunder? I would say that J-Dub is probably the easiest path to see. Chet is a 1A, 1B. 
And then Josh Giddy has an extremely easy path to be an all-star. Can he do it as a member of the Thunder? Um, we'll see if that actually happens. So again, the the hilarious part is they you, you know you can pick any of the three and you can't call that person crazy. So if you go on YouTube right now and search up Locked On Thunder and, lo- and listen to this podcast on YouTube, uh, or if you're already doing so, just scroll down and you look at the comments. You will see people fighting for Josh Giddy to be this answer. You'll see people fighting for J-Dub to be this answer and Chet to be this answer. And they're not wrong. None of them are wrong, no matter who they picked. But I would go Dub, Chet, Josh on that answer. Uh, at O'Connor Keegan, biggest leap next year. And will Jared Butler make the Wizards roster? Uh, again, I, I, I'm just going to take this to mean that, you know, can he make a standard contract? I don't think so. I think that Jared Butler can make kind of a sweetheart deal like Eugene and Lindy. Like Eugene and Lindy technically made the Thunder standard roster next year, you know, th- this past year. But Eugene made it for like two days and Lindy made it for like two months. So, uh, yes, he could do that type of thing. And Will Dawkins might be uh, willing to carry that mode over to Washington of, of rewarding two-way guys like that. But long-term rotational piece, Jared Butler in Washington, I'm not sure that I see that, but this is his best chance to do that. Like this is his best chance to get the runway and get the opportunity to get that type of role in the NBA. Uh, And then who's the biggest leap next season. So stat wise, like just pulling up their basketball reference page uh, this time next year and going, Whoa, he actually really improved. I'd say Josh Giddy will have the biggest leap stat wise on the B-ball reference page. Playability wise and watchability wise, where you just can see your eyes tell you the truth it'll be Usman Jang having the biggest kind of uh, turnaround and leap and like perception and um, again, just watchability and playability for, from last year. So the biggest leap there from him uh, at underscore CL 12 underscore could the thunder theoretically and realistically trade for Luka Doncic in two to three years. I think he fits the thunder outside of defense perfectly. Uh, look, if Luka Doncic is like, Hey, I, I went out of Dallas and I want to go to Oklahoma city. You have to do it. But I wouldn't do it, and I don't think he fits perfectly in OKC. Uh, I don't think that his play style is what the Thunder want to play stylistically. I also look at this and say, to pull off this trade, right, to trade for a Luka, you have to give up an insane amount of draft capital, but you also have to give up young players. And so at that point, you are building this team that is just, it's it's only going to be Shea and Luka. That's it. And that's a really good one-two punch. And that's what Dallas is doing, you know, with Kyrie and Luka. And we'll see if that actually works. But in this scenario, it means it wouldn't have worked, number one. But nonetheless, me personally, I would just rather, as much as I like Luka, I told you on last week's mailbag, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. Me personally, though, I would rather not give up a ton of young players plus young, you know, plus draft capital to get Luca and Shea together and have no depth around them. I would rather build a team that's incredibly deep around Shea and this young core. Uh, that's kind of the pathway that I would rather see the Thunder go down. But again, if Lucas for some reason was like, look, I want to play with Shea. I want to play in OKC. Send me there and, and, and does the leverage play there, which would be unheard of to go do that for OKC. Uh, then yeah, you've got to take that call and you've got to do it. But uh, I, I don't really think that he fits stylistically with OKC, not just defense, but offense as well um, with OKC. And then at Noel C. Adam, who is your projected starting five for next season? SGA, Josh, Giddy, J-Dub, Dort, and Chet. For me, that's my starting five. I'll go SGA, Josh, Giddy, 
Lou Dort, J-Dub, and Chen. I don't think there's much mystery to it. I don't think there's going to be some big surprise. Like I, I, I know that Mitchich um, is comfortable in his role and understands the situation in OKC. And besides him, I don't really see anyone being down the door to be a starter, especially on opening night. And so opening night, you tell me that they're fully healthy and you tell me that they're ready to rock and roll. It'll be SGA, Josh, Dort, J-Dub, and Chet. Coming up, can Aaron Wiggins crack and maintain in their rotation? Will the Thunder retire some Legends uniforms? And what trade deadline trade do I want to see made for OKC? We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We're here with your mailbag questions and your mailbag podcast answering your questions. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review on any podcasting platform and comment on YouTube. Anything that you want me to know. Now, let's talk about your questions, including from at 123OKC321. I really like Aaron Wiggins for his contributions on and off the court. Can you see a pathway for him to get significant playing time or at least similar to last year's minutes? I also really like Aaron Wiggins, as you know from this podcast. At some point, winning has to matter. Like at some point, it's got to be, hey, who are the 8, 9, 10, 12 best guys to win basketball games in Oklahoma City? And when that is the case and, and when that eventually happens... Wiggins makes it, it, the most winning plays and is one of your most, you know, is one of your best players at making winning plays. Uh, you know, this, this roster is talent top, you know, talent filled top to bottom. And they have a lot of guys who you want to invest in. They have a lot of guys who deserve minutes. They have a lot of guys uh, who people believe in, but at the end of the day, push comes to shove and you're trying to win basketball games. I'm not so sure that there are 10, 12 guys ahead of Aaron Wiggins of, of, of you know, contributions on the court, and a, and a winning style of basketball. So I'd be a bit shocked and a bit confused if Wiggins doesn't see a minutes increase a little bit in this season. I think this should happen. I really do. At Brett HD3, if the Thunder made one big trade at the deadline, what player realistically would you want? And what would you give up? Okay. I have a player. Dorian Finney-Smith. That's who I would want at the deadline. Again, well, this can change because... We are half a year away from the deadline, and we don't really know how this team's going to play with Chet, and we don't really know how this team will play in general. But as of right now, I would love if the Nets would do draft capital, Davis Bertans for Dorian Finney-Smith. So something to the effect of the Thunder get Dorian Finney-Smith and the Nets get Davis Bertans to match salaries and two first-round picks. You give them one first-round pick for taking on Davis's money uh, even though they can cut it for $5 million at the end of the season. And then one first round pick for Dorian. Uh, I would prefer for at least one, if not, if not both of those first round picks to be in 2024 uh, in the, in that draft, but at least one of them to be in that, in that draft. Um, and then from there you get Dorian Finney Smith, who is an amazing three and D shooter and can really fit the Thunder play style and forget about what you think about, you know, case making Dort expendable Dorian Finney Smith really makes Dort expendable to make a bigger trade in conjunction with this at the deadline, or just simply keep all three of them. And you have an incredible lineup where if you need a stop, like, if, okay, let's say there's a timeout, all right, timeout on the floor, timeout on the floor. 
we want to advance the ball and set up a play uh, to try to, to try to win the game with 10 seconds left and we're against the thunder and we're down by two. And then Mark looks to the bench and goes, okay, we're playing offense defense here. Put out Kaysen at the one door at the two Dwayne at the three Jada at the four shut at the five. Who's scoring on that, on that lineup. Like that would be an insane lineup defensively. And that's just yet another insane defender to add to this group and someone who provides some shooting as well. And he made such winning contributions for Dallas on their way to that surprise uh, Western Conference Finals run. So I would really like Dorian Finney-Smith. I think that's kind of realistic because for Brooklyn, you know, you, you get them some immediate draft capital in 2024. You get them off of um, Dorian's contract in the sense of it's a, it's a year longer than uh, Bertans, even though you're only going to pay Bertans $5 million next year. So you can actually kind of mental gymnastics your way to say that that's two years less than Dorian Finney-Smith, but nonetheless. Uh, so maybe Brooklyn would do that, and then OKC uh, could could benefit from it. At no clue is the best. Who, besides Jared Butler, that is currently on the Thunder's roster or staff, ends up a wizard next? Yeah, they have a lot of wizards. <laughs> um I could see Wiggins being somebody that like, if the Thunder move on from him, like he's a Maryland university guy, I don't think they're going to move on from Wiggins. Uh, I could see if the the Wizards want a new head coach that, you know, maybe you call up, maybe you call up on a young guy, like a Cam Woods, who is from this organization. Like Cam Woods played for the blue. He was an assistant for Mark. He's a head coach for the blue right now, going into his second year as a head coach on the blue. So he has playing experience. He has coaching experience and he would be a, a young G league hire, which Sam Presti made with Mark and worked out so well. Well, Dawkins could make with Cam Woods and work out so well. Uh, that would be another name to watch if you're Washington and you end up needing a head coach here in about eight months. Um, and then, you know, I could see like in terms of like the roster, what if, you know, with no extension in sight for Poku this offseason, he goes into this year as a restricted free agent. Typically, Sam Presti does not let guys hit restricted free agency. Um, what if you just take a shot on Poku? Because you would imagine that this Wizards rebuild will take longer than one year. You would imagine that next year they're going to be tanking also. And so then you give Poku another another environment where he gets a longer runway um, to, to develop and a longer runway to um, explore and, and polish his skills. So I'd say that those are some names to watch for if you're Washington, just for fun. Uh, Milo, does the number 35 get retired? Yes, absolutely. Uh, going along with that, at a underscore Canadian, is Westbrook's number retired? It absolutely is going to get retired whenever he retires. And I would say that you can call it retired now because I do not think that we're going to have a PJ Dozier situation. I think that he's going to be the last one to ever wear number zero and the first and last one to ever wear number zero for OKC. So, uh, yes, just go ahead and say it's retired already. Uh, at MK325491, what Thunder player is going to be the X factor for this team next season for team success? Uh, it'd be it'd be Usman Jing or, or, or Kaysen Wallace. Like if Kaysen Wallace can have a rookie impact that, that J-Dub had, that takes this team to a whole nother, a whole nother level of, of potential. If Usman Jang can, can perform like he did in the summer league, that takes this team to a whole nother level of what they can do. Uh, so X factor, that's kind of what I'm thinking of, of like what can make this team go to another gear and, and getting significant contributions from both or one of those two guys would do that. Uh, at Shea Gorgeous 2, if the Thunder are a top four seed, can SGA win MVP? Absolutely. Uh, and I don't say that as a you know, thunder bias, I'm just saying SGA is already in top uh, 10 MVP odds. He's ninth right now in MVP odds. Uh, according to Vegas, 
He finished top five last year in MVP voting. So he was close last year. He's still going to have the narrative of like, he led this team. He drug this team to a top four seed, uh, et cetera, et cetera, with this young scrappy Thunder team. Uh, he's going to be efficient. He's going to, you know, to, to, to get to a four, top four seed, he'll be efficient again. He'll need to score 30 points again or more. Uh, and, and he'll have that excellent defense again. And you'll have the wins at that point. So, uh, yeah, he absolutely can be in MVP conversations as a top four seed because at that point, Joel Embiid's already got one. Giannis has already got one. Jokic has already got a, you know the, the, the awards. So we've seen, even last year, you can argue, we saw it to the greatest extent last year of like people get tired of giving the awards to the same guys. And so a top four seed from SGA with, with what he'd have to do to get this team to a top four seed with already being top 10 in MVP voting, um, and I'm sorry, top 10 MVP odds and top five MVP, MVP voting this year, it would not be unheard of to see SGA win an MVP this year if, it's a big if, he can get the Thunder to a top four seed. Uh, that is a massive if. But with those parameters, sure, he can. He can. And then at Allen underscore 111, who is more likely to make the roster? Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, Poku, or Jeremiah Robinson Earl? So I'm going to rank them from most likely to make the roster to least likely. Poku's making the roster. So Poku. And then I'd go Ty Ty Washington, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Garuba. Most to least likely. Poku, Ty Ty, Jerry, and Garuba. You can hear my roster projection on who will and won't make the roster on yesterday's podcast. So go back and listen to that podcast right now, wherever you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. We have a very special guest for you tomorrow, uh, talking about Casey Wallace and talking about the Thunder draft. And we're going to try to figure out this rotation later on in the week as well and have another guest for you later on in the week. So stay tuned. Lock in to Lockdown Thunder. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.